Welcome to episode 10 of the Women of the Military podcast. In today's interview, I interviewed Dina Farmer. Dina started her career in the Air Force on active duty. She left active duty through the Palace Chase program and served in the Air National Guard. During her time in the Air Force, she had three different jobs, and I'm excited to share her story. You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Dina is a coffee-loving military spouse and mom to two boys, a travel advisor, and a family travel journalist. She shares her love of travel and helps families and couples plan dream vacations. Welcome, Dina. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about your military experience? I was in the Air Force. I enlisted um, back in 2005, right before Hurricane Katrina hit, and I actually had three jobs while I was in the Air Force. Um, the first job was like a communications specialist. It's called um, knowledge operations manager. And I basically was like an IT specialist. So I fixed computers for a living. And then in 2009, I retrained into your job, bioenvironmental engineering, which was really hard. I don't even know how I got into that career field, to be honest. So much math. It's crazy. Um, and then in, I only held that job for, I think three years and I sep I didn't separate, I palace chased and went into the Arizona Air National Guard. Um, and I held B for, I don't know, six months before public affairs found out that I was majoring in photography and they were like, you gotta get out of here. We need you as public affairs. So they picked me up, um, to be a photojournalist. And I'm so sad that I had to separate from that job because I really, I really love being a photojournalist was such a good job. <laughs> that sounds really cool. So when you talk about Palace Chase, what exactly does that mean? Um, so that means you leave active duty Air Force or I think it works across the other services too, but I know for the Air Force, you leave active duty Air Force and you either join the Air National Guard or the Air Reserves. Um, and I joined the Air National Guard and there's a total difference between the two. A lot of people get the Air National Guard and the Reserves confused. Right. Um, the Guard is paid by the state, and we can be federally activated, but only in a state of war, like by the president. And the Reserves is still paid by the federal government. So we get paid by two different people. And the state can activate the Air National Guard or the National Guard if they need to. That's a good way to explain it, because some people think they're all the same, but they're very Yeah, no, not even a little bit. And I, I know that the Guard can deploy, but it's really, it doesn't happen too, too often, more so. I think I think the ramping up started with the Operation Iraqi Freedom is when okay. the deployed, but um, typically in the unit that I was in, like a lot of people, it wasn't common for us to still go. And you left your job, even though you really liked it, why did you leave? Um, so my husband is still active duty Air Force. So he went and served a remote to um, Korea for a year. And then um, I don't know about the other services, but I know the Air Force, if you um, serve a year away from your family, you get a um, base of preference. So his base was Hawaii. And unfortunately, the Hawaii Air National Guard didn't have a position for me open. So I had to get out. I mean, I could have retrained if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. I really liked the job. And I was like, well, I don't want to go do another four months somewhere else and then come back to Hawaii. And it was just a big 
fiasco. So I said, ah, forget it. And then the irony is like five months after we got to Hawaii, they were like, hey, we have a position open. I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm a civilian. I don't want to go back. So, right. oh, well. <laughs> yes, it all worked out. Yeah, in the end. That is complicated when your spouse is in the military yeah. and you're in the military, especially when you're doing, I mean, it's hard when you're both on active duty to get stationed right. together, but when you're on guard, it's, it's even harder. Yeah. 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 So why did you decide to join the military? Totally selfish reasons. <laughs> Uh, it was for education. That was the main part. Um, parents were both um, in the Air Force as well. So we didn't like, you're not rolling in the dough being in the military, you know, so it was trickier to get funding for myself to go to school because I think at that time they didn't extend out the GI Bill benefits to dependents. Right. So I couldn't go to school using their benefits. And then I found out how expensive it is to go to school. So I said, well, I know they have a GI Bill for themselves. But they're not using. Um, so I'll just go in. And then I got really, really sick. Um, and I got a huge medical bill that I could not afford to pay for. And I was working part-time at a pet store. So it was like, how am I going to afford to take care of myself? So I got better. And then after I got a clean bill of health, I was like, I can't risk this anymore. So I just enlisted right then there. I told my recruiter, anything, anything, as long as it's admin, just sign me up. And that's how I got the communication Um, job. Interesting. I think a lot of people join for the educational benefits. I did ROTC in college, and so I got my college paid for by the Air Force before I joined and then paid for right. So I also use the educational benefits, and I think that's why they're there, to yeah. get people to join. So Yeah, it's super enticing, that's for sure. And you can I even mean, get up to a master's degree. So, yes. You know, yeah. yeah. My husband got his master's at the Air Force Institute of Technology, so... There's so many cool programs out there. So it really is. Have you ever deployed before? I never deployed. I was in active duty and the Air National Guard for nine years in total, and I never once deployed. I've been on plenty of TDYs, but I've never did not get the opportunity to. Did you do anything um, where on your TDY was it all for training, or was there any other? Um, it was all just trainings. <laughs> Nothing, nothing super exciting. I think the most exciting thing was like simulated warfare at tech school for um, B and for um, public affairs. Okay. <laughs> and I learned that I'm a little claustrophobic in B school in those level A suits. I was like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. I went to Florida right after joining the Air Force for silver flag or something like that and we had to do and it was so hot and we had to wear the mop gear and it was just like humid oh oh gosh (laughs) I think it was even like November and it was still hot and yucky it it never gets it never chills out in Florida it always stays warm like Hawaii (laughs) did you face any struggles while serving in the military I think I face yeah I did I think the worst came about after I had kids the I know the Air Force really says that they're family friendly um, and they care about families and stuff like that. But it, I think they only are more, I don't know how to phrase it, they are more accepting to people when one of the spouses isn't in the military. It's, I feel like it's more difficult to be a male-to-male couple and have a family in the Air Force. Because in particular, I remember when I was a B, a lot of the times we would, um, I would have a lot of childcare issues and my husband was deployed at the time and it just seemed like they just didn't care 
that, oh, well, we have an exercise to do and I don't care that you have to work 12 hours. You need to find somebody for your kid. Like, but I, <laughs> I'm here alone. I don't know. What do you right. want from me? You know? I think that was the worst. It was just lots of childcare issues. Cause you know, there's a law that your kids can't be in daycare for longer than 10 hours. So, um, there was a lot of that. And then, uh, at least my office didn't, wasn't very supportive of my choice to breastfeed. Um, so there was a lot of issues of like, oh, well you need to pump in a bathroom and they know better. Like that's right. not okay. Um, but it just seemed like they would just didn't care that I made that choice or would put me on the line and then wouldn't let me go pump on the line, for, you know, for an exercise or something like that. Right. Um, I agree. I feel like the military is like, you can have a family, but if you're both in, they don't make it easy. And it's really, I even know a couple that was mill mill or that is mill mill and they've been in for like 18 and 19 years. And she God. got sent on a deployment and mm-hmm. while she was deployed, her husband had to move to his next assignment. And it's just like, oh my that's God. just not even right. But So she's going to come home from her deployment. And then she was trying to decide if she should just stay till she hit her 20 years or if she right. could move and then have to serve. And they have two kids. And so I feel like that's part of the reason I left. Because when we were both in, the inconveniences of being a mill-to-mill are just like, oh, well, we'll just figure it out. But when you have kids, it's like, this gets a lot more complicated. Yes, a hundred percent. And especially if your spouse has a, a really tough job or like my spouse has to work on Panama shifts. So it was really hard if, for instance, you know, I had to do an exercise and he's working Panama's, who's going to pick up our kids, right. you know, you know, he has to sleep. And I was just like, this is too complicated for me. Well, you don't have family and like, depending on how long you've been at a base, you may not have a good network. So it's really, it's really difficult. It is very difficult. And and like you said, um, especially if you PCS to a new location, like you were saying, and then you don't, who are you supposed to trust with your kids? And I know you have to have the um, family care plan, but I don't know anybody who's a civilian. I just PCS to this base. What am I supposed to do? Well, that's like when you move, we just moved. Uh, to Virginia this summer and we went to register my son for school and they're like who's your emergency contact and I'm like well my mom's in California so that probably isn't gonna work but yeah <laughs> exactly like I don't know I don't know anybody here we've been here for five days like yeah I didn't really make a friend um did you so you talked a little bit of like about your breastfeeding and not how I feel like the Air Force is working to change some of those requirements because you said you joined in 2005 and um mm-hmm. recently they just changed it that you get three months instead of six weeks for time off and not deploying until a year instead of six months. Do you think that there's been any changes on the attitude towards women breastfeeding or it's probably office dependent? You felt like in your office, you didn't get the support. I think it's very office dependent because obviously those changes seem supportive of being in general, being supportive across the board. So I think it's really like, who is your supervisor and who, you know, how well is your OIC how well do they care about their people kind of deal. So it's really a luck of the draw. And unfortunately, um, my supervisor when I was a B was a maintainer. So he definitely had, I'm sorry, he was aircraft maintenance. So he definitely had that like mentality of like, I don't care. You do, you work and that's it kind of. Right. Um, so it really depends on who, like who you're working with instead of overall in the Air Force. Like I know my husband had a troop um, and she was very lucky to get that um, as you say, 16 weeks, I think, maternity leave now. 
Is that right? Yeah, I think it's 12. 12, okay. And she, her office let her take the entire time off. Like there was no, you have to come back for a week or anything. Like she got the whole time off. Um, and I think she had her, she was coded so that, yeah, she couldn't deploy up to... It's a year now. It was six months, but now it's a year. She was sad to go back. Of course, who isn't? But (laughs) um, I think it really depends. Like he works in an office that has hundreds of people. So maybe she wasn't needed that badly, you know, as opposed to me or my office, we had 10. So kind of, I'm definitely missed (laughs) at work. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes it hard. It does. It does. I don't know. And I guess it depends on how caring, like I said, your leadership is ultimately. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Did you feel like when you were in the guard, you got better support? 100%. Yeah. I I think only because it's different with the guard. Because if I had started, and then we always call it the baby um, airman, like if I started baby airman in the guard, um, and I had been in the guard for the last nine years, and then I had a baby, like I, I see these people every month, and then two weeks out of the year in the guard every single month. So I get to know them. We're basically a family in the guard. So it's, it's very different because it's not too common for people like PCS in and out of the guard units. So I think it would have been a lot better. Like they're really supportive for me. Like I know uh, when I was B, like I said, we were supposed to go on a TUI for two weeks to Alpena, Michigan. And um, I wasn't able to go because my husband was deployed and I had just had the baby. Uh, and I said, I can't, I can't do my two weeks. I can't do this TDY. Is it possible for me to switch it up? And they said, oh yeah, you can go to Alpena anytime. It's no big deal. Like they're always doing that um, medical training there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> You know, if I was active duty, there's no way. There's no way I would have been able to get out of that. So it's super nice in the guard. And then even um, on my drill weekends, like my son was sick a couple times on drill weekends. And the guard, I told him like, hey, my husband's in Korea right now. and I don't have anybody else to watch him. Is it possible for me to stay home? And they're like, oh, yeah, you can just make up your drill weekend. No big deal. (laughs) So it's more like just depends on where you are. And I feel like that's very true. Depends mm-hmm. on your boss and just what the rules, not the rules, but the way that the office runs itself. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the rules change, but for some no. reason, the way that it's carried out is differently. Exactly. How do you think the military affected you as a person? Did it change you? Did you learn anything about yourself? Um, I think it changed me a lot. Like I gained a lot of confidence being there for us because um, before it was kind of like, I'm afraid to do anything or to commit to anything or to be a part of anything. And um, I feel like the Air Force is a big family in general. I feel like the Air Force gave me a voice in general. Like it helps me get um, a lot of confidence that I never had before Um, by making me, especially when it became an NCO, it made me feel like by making me a leader, it made me speak up for myself more and made me, um, I don't know, have a lot of gumption and drive in things that I was doing. And it also helps me to do small talk with people because you have to meet people that you, you know, from all different backgrounds, different religions. So it helps me to really learn how to talk to different people, learn to engage and not be so standoffish like that I used to be before I joined the Air Force. Um, And then I feel like it changed me with my views on fitness because I used to be just like, oh, I'm skinny. I don't need to work out, blah, whatever. But it helps me to gain a healthy 
joy of running. I don't do it anymore because the air horse helps me with my knees being not so great anymore, but it, it definitely fostered an interest in it. And I was even trying to train for the air force marathon for one year. I didn't make it because I got pregnant. It's definitely helps me to keep a good eye on fitness and to know how important it is. That makes sense. Yeah. I have a love hate relationship with working out. Right. I've always been active, but I just, I don't know. Some days I'm like, I don't want to work out. I know. I, I'm, I don't love to like lift weights or anything, but I, I'm definitely down for a daily walk. I walk my boys almost every day. That's really good. Yeah. What was your favorite memory from your military experience? I think it's actually changing jobs. <laughs> yeah, because like, it's, it's one of those rare careers where, you know, if I change my job, so like I said I was communications and I was B and then I was public affairs, like I would have had, in the civilian sector, I would have had to start completely fresh. And even though I changed my job in the Air Force, I don't have to start like at the bottom again. Like I just have to get a little bit of training and then I still have my same rank. I still have my same pay, still have my same benefits. And I think that's one of the best things um, about being in the military is that it's not, you're not penalized for changing what you decide to do with your career. Yeah, that's a good point because... A lot, like you said, in the civilian sector, if you switch jobs, you would start over. The Air Force, you can do multiple jobs and you keep moving forward and rank. Yes, exactly. And even they kind of, I feel like, especially when I changed to public affairs, even though I was still a staff sergeant, but they were like, okay, well, you got to get your training done and then you're going to supervise somebody. So I'm still hold, held to the same standard that um, I was when I was a B. So it's not, it's not any differences, it's just... I just have a different AFSC. I never really thought about it, but that's true. You do have the ability to, like, make total shifts. You don't even have to, like, stay in the same general area. You right, exactly. What would you tell girls who are considering joining the military? You know, when I was going in, I told you that, that I was in a rush to get in. Uh, ultimately, the reason I retrained to bio is because I wasn't happy in comm. Um, and I would just say don't. Whatever you do, don't rush to come into the military. Like if there's a specific job that you want, I would definitely make that known to your recruiter because I was in a big rush and then ultimately, you know, I wasn't really happy right. <laughs> with what I got. Um, and then I think another thing is it's, it's kind of hard to be a female in the military only because it, there's a lot of men, even in the Air Force, there's still a big... Um, we're still a minority <laughs> as far as being in the military goes. So there's a lot of men that can make it difficult. I know when I was going up for airmen below the zone um, and I got it, a lot of the men in my office were really, um, can I curse, <laughs> ticked off at me <laughs> for making it because I worked hard and my supervisor at the time cared a lot about me. So he put in a package for me. And, you know, you can't do anything about what your supervisor does for you. So some, I, I think I experienced, it wasn't like, I wouldn't call it sexism. I would just call it, well, maybe that's the right word. I don't know. It just felt like they felt like we were getting handouts, I guess, because we're female. Kind of, maybe it's not, not recognizing that, that you had worked hard to earn that spot. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that was, that was I think that's, I would just 
keep an eye on, like be aware of that. I guess that would be the correct term because I got a lot of that in the military, but I would also tell them not, like, don't, just because that happens, don't be afraid to stand out above the rest. Right. That's my biggest thing. Well, and I like that you said that it does happen and just to be aware of it, because I think sometimes we can go in and not realize what we're walking into. Right. But yes, you're definitely a minority. I mean, even in my public affairs office, there was, oh, actually that's a rare case because there was actually four of us women and only two guys. (laughs) That was super rare. But I mean, for instance, when I was in the comm squadron, I, I think there was only three women in my office compared to the 20 men that were with us. So Yes. Yeah. That's more what it's like. Right? Yeah. Very rare with public. But public affairs is a very small career field as well. So there's that. Right. And you said that you're married to someone in the military. And how did you guys meet? Oh, my. So embarrassing. embarrassing story. I know. So silly. Um, so my husband, he, he also retrained into a job anyway, but sorry. So we, he was, um, we were both stationed at Misawa Air Force Base in Japan, way up north. Um, and I was waiting for a friend at the chow hall and she was taking a million years getting off the computer. So they had computers back then to like, you know, email your friends and family and stuff. Um, and I went over to her and she was talking to my future husband. And I was like, what is taking so long? Will you hurry up? Like, I want to leave. I'm done. And she thought he was someone else. So she, instead of stopping the conversation, was just like, okay, I'm just going to continue on. And hopefully um, he tells me his name <laughs> so she doesn't feel embarrassed about it. So then I went, like I said, and talked to them. And then he had said that he'd seen me before in the child hall, but he was too afraid to talk to me. So basically, he asked me on a date, like that moment. And then from that moment on, we have been inseparable. But yeah, it's at the chow hall of all places. That's really cute. So funny. That's cute that he like wanted to talk to you, but didn't get the courage. And then he's yeah. like, oh, I'm talking to her. I might as well just ask her out. I know. <laughs> exactly. So, oh my gosh. Here we are, 12 years later. Oh, oh wow. Goodness. Yeah. It's one of those whirlwind military marriages, too, where, you know, we met in February and then we're married in November and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, it's never going to work out, blah, blah, blah. But thank you for coming on to Women of the Military and for your time and for your story and for your service. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun chatting. It was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. You have a business, a travel business. Can you tell people how they can get in contact with you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. Um, I have a website, kithandkentravels.com. I book vacations for families and couples around the world, um, but I specialize in Disney, Japan, and Hawaii. Uh, Those are my favorite places to book vacations. And if you want to reach me on social media, I'm on social media with Kith and Ken Travels on Instagram and Facebook. All right. That's awesome. We'll put those in the show notes so that if people want to find them, they can easily get to them. And thank you again for being on the show this week. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? 
don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.